So Lucy, how's the editing going? It's actually going really well. Awesome. This is Right Place, Right Time, and right now we're about to have a chat with Steph Kroll, freelance editor extraordinaire. Our progress. Yeah. So I've actually been making good progress. Hell <laughs> finally. Yeah. I finally completed reading through one of my projects and I'm now in the process of going back and fixing all the areas where I like left myself notes. I normally get kind of stuck in rewriting purgatory. So this time I'm trying to tackle it the way I would edit someone else's manuscript, which is kind of by reading it through first and then going back to kind of make changes at all the little places I'd sort of left notes. With the added bonus that I can be brutally honest with myself. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of a hard and frustrating process at times because I have to cut apart scenes that were like written to flow in a very specific way, but it's working pretty well. And there's nothing quite like finding a scene you'd forgotten writing and actually loving it. (laughs) Like even though I finished writing it relatively recently, I'd managed to forget how I ended it. (laughs) So I I made it to that part and was like, oh, this is what I did, (laughs) which is fun. (laughs) And how are you doing, Robin? Oh, man. I feel like you could do a whole episode on how you're revising right now. So let's do that (laughs) next time. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. So I uh, got feedback from my picture book editor and I'm raring to go in that project. Um, She picked one of the three rewritten manuscripts I had and gave me really clear, straightforward feedback on how to make it better. And it was so obviously valuable to me. Like it felt like something I was too close to the manuscript to see myself. And she was able to make a connection or well, tell me to make a connection as the case may be that I just couldn't. So that's exciting. Um, Mm -hmm. Which also means I'm going to be in super writing mode for a bit in between book promo stuff for the graphic novel, which Mm -hmm. actually probably (laughs) bodes well for the novel novel to get work done since like rewriting 500 words of a picture book is so much more stressful than revising 100,000 words. (laughs) Yeah, it's like trying to edit a poem. It is not easy. (laughs) Yeah, I'm probably going to procrastinate a tiny bit. Um and work on the novel a bit. That's exciting. Yeah. So editing and revising are our big topics for the year. Um, and we happen to have a dear friend who is a freelance editor and can talk to us a little bit about that today, which is super awesome. So hey, Steph. Hey. <laughs> Yay. Hey, Steph. So some of you may remember last episode when I talked about working for a small press, kind of towards the end of grad school and a bit beyond that. And well, Steph was one of my friends that I got to work with on that project, which is very exciting. (laughs) We met in grad school and shared a love of young adult literature and writing, among other nerdy things. (laughs) And these days, Steph is working as a real live editor. So we've asked her to talk to us about her side of the publishing world. Hey, everyone. It's really, really exciting to be here and also just to chat with Lucy and Robin again. <laughs> love you both. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, we like, love you. <laughs> this is delightful. We haven't all lived in the same city for a long time. 
So it's nice to actually get to chat as a group again. Almost a decade now. Wow. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Time passes. I don't want to talk about it. Um, But Steph is also a writer um, and working on a really cool book project right now. Um, So and and Steph has also suffered through at least one draft of the book that I'm currently working on already, too. So (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't call it suffering. Let's be honest. That's very it's nice to hear that bodes well, right? As a fellow quote unquote sufferer, I also agree that I wouldn't call it suffering. Okay. It's being privileged. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So let's start with the big what. Steph, what do you do? Well, I'm going to stick with what's relevant to this podcast because <laughs> I don't think you need to hear about me writing educational materials. Um, I'm a developmental and copy editor, and I also help out with query letters occasionally, which also really fun. Um, But dev work is definitely my favorite thing. That's where I read a manuscript and make big picture suggestions about plot, character, and theme. Um, Oftentimes, a client will ask me to focus on something in particular. Uh, For example, a recent client wanted me to focus most of my comments on their main character's character arc and development. And so I really focused on that and Um, If I saw other major manuscript breaking issues, of course, I brought those up. But no, it was sort of a more narrowly focused developmental edit. Um, Copy editing is more what people typically think of editors doing, cleaning up grammar, spelling, punctuation, making sure your sentences are nice and clear and readable, that sort of thing. Yeah, I love that you do both of those sides. And and other things kind of like tangentially related, uh, because them part of that freelance life is being able to do a lot of things. For sure. Yeah. And I know that editors at both big and small houses also have to do a million things in their jobs. So there's like no way to escape it, whether you are freelance or in a house or whatever, like you sort of it's like everything falls to the editors. <laughs> I always kind of think of it, you know, freelance comes from um, mercenaries. They were free lances, lances for hire. (laughs) And you kind of, you know, it's my lance is where it needs to be, I guess. (laughs) I love that. I didn't know that. (laughs) Oh, man. No, I super love it. Okay. So other than, um, you know, pre-feudal warlords stuff, uh, who do you work with? Who should hire a freelance editor? Um, Well... Probably not a pre-feudal warlord because they don't <laughs> they don't like constructive criticism in at least stereotypically. Um, but in modern day, um, my clients are largely writers who want to self-publish. Um, hiring a freelancer when you're self-publishing is really important because it pushes your work to a really professional level. Your manuscript is clean. It clearly has been revised in such a way that it makes sense for people who aren't you, because I'm sure, you know, as writers, we all know that it's very easy to get very, very close to a manuscript and lose sight of how it's sounding to people outside ourselves. So at the very least, if you're self-publishing, I would recommend hiring a professional copy editor if you can't afford dev, but both is really ideal. I also work with writers who are getting ready to query their manuscript to agents or send them off to small presses. 
Now, um, editing can be expensive, so I want to stress it's not actually necessary to hire a freelancer before you query unless you really, really want another pair of eyes on your work. And, you know, you can get that from critique partners, but if you don't feel like your critique partners are giving you what you need, freelancer is a great option. So when do you think someone should consider hiring a freelance editor? And by that, I kind of mean either at what point in the writing process for a specific book or like at what point in their overall writing career? Uh, You know, that's a great question. And I think it's a little subjective and entirely up to what you're looking for. I've worked with writers who really wanted me to do dev work on an early draft. So they felt like they weren't, you know, writing this whole manuscript and doing a ton of revision and then getting feedback from me that really just made them have to go back to the beginning. And I've also had writers who really wanted me to look at the manuscript after they really got it to a clean place. The main difference is how malleable the story is. After a first draft, major plot points can change. But by the third draft, you more or less, you know, you know the major plot points of the story. And when I'm working, I generally try to, you know, keep in mind, is this manuscript still feeling itself out? Or, you know, do we know where it's going? You know, if it if something is really making no sense and just absolutely not working, I will definitely point that out to a writer, no matter how many revisions it's been through. But on the whole, it's very hard to, you know, go back to point A um, if you're already, you know, on point D. (laughs) But it's all up to what feels right to you. And I'm sorry that that's not a comforting answer. There's really no right answers in writing, unfortunately. Another thing to keep in mind is that first drafts just inherently are really messy. And so sometimes if you're giving an editor a first draft, you'll get a ton of feedback and that just can be overwhelming. Um, So if you're doing that, just don't be afraid to ask what you want the editor to look at. Um, I've definitely had times when a writer has said, hey, I know, um, just this is not a real example. It's something I'm making up off the top of my head. I know they might say, you know, I know that this part of the book about the rules of mermaid society, just they're contradictory. They don't make any sense. I'll fix that in the next draft. If you have any ideas, cool. But yeah, I know that's not working. Please focus on the plot. And so Mm -hmm. I'll say, okay. And if I have any ideas, sure, but I won't worry that the writer doesn't realize that that aspect of the story is a little messy right now, which is normal after our first draft. Yeah, I like that you were talking about that because I feel like once you're showing something to an agent or an editor like at a house, there is way less opportunity for that kind of conversation to happen. Um, They usually will not want it to be in a place where it still needs that level of development unless you're many books in. (laughs) Um, But that's like a really valuable relationship that is going to be harder to get when you're a little bit like farther along. So like, that's a really cool thing to think about. I know that like, for me, when you were talking earlier about um, helping people query, basically, I'm like, yeah, that's kind of the step that I feel like I would be really likely to hire an editor. Um, 
because I know how swamped my agent and basically every editor I know is, and the idea that I could get a little bit of like extra attention without demanding it be torn away from somebody else's book <laughs> project <laughs> feels like like a thing that if I can afford to do that might be satisfying for me and also like a good time for that. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, that is a great reason to hire an editor. I've also had a client who she and her agent disagreed on an aspect of a project and she wanted me to take a look at it and see what I thought. And yeah, just even on a, even if you get along great with your agent, it can definitely be a load off your agent's back. I definitely know that some agents um, really love the editorial part of their job. And so maybe they'll want to do that anyway. But if you notice your agent rushing editorial work and you want a second opinion, or, you know, honestly, like you said, everyone in publishing is overworked. If you can afford it, there's no reason not to. Yeah, everyone in publishing wears so many hats, like authors having to be their own marketing team. It shouldn't be this way. Um, but I'm kind of thinking about this as like a freelance editor being someone that you're bringing onto your own team, and that that's kind of a cool way to think of it. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. how I think about it. And yeah, authors really should not have to be their own marketing team. And it makes me so angry that it <laughs> really does happen a lot. But that's another story. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Speaking of all the other stories in publishing, um, what do you think about for folks who want to be writers, but either write in English as a second language or have like dyslexia and other issues that might be a barrier between them and publication? I mean, ideally, these barriers would not exist, but because agents and editors are also only human and they can only process things the way that they do, it can be kind of, it can actually be a barrier between somebody understanding your project or not. Yeah, and I really hate that things like that are barriers because honestly, something like grammar, you know, it's just a rule. I've known people who are prone to grammatical mistakes for whatever reason, they're dyslexic, English isn't their first language, but they're wonderful storytellers and they're actually wonderful writers in that their prose might not be error free, but you correct those errors and it's gorgeous prose. Unfortunately, if grammatical mistakes are genuinely making your work difficult for readers to understand, if you can afford to get a copy editor, that's a great idea. I've had clients, um, like I said, who have had difficulty with things like verb tense, and doing the copy edits in those cases were really fun and actually quite a privilege. Um, in one of the cases, my client was an illustrator, and they couldn't afford to pay me, but we exchanged editorial work for art. I mean, creatives got to take care of each other. It's hard out here. I know that's not feasible for every editor or every writer, but at the time I was working with this client, I had other paying gigs, so that actually worked out really well. Yeah, I have this like vision for a charity or like a scholarship program thing that could be instituted with like a little more infrastructure than any of <laughs> us have at the moment. <laughs> mm. But like imagining if agents could pair up an editor, like a copy editor with a promising marginalized author whose work they think needs a second chance, like 
either the editor could be paid out of a fund or they could donate their time legally, which would be really helpful for taxes for all of us Mm -hmm. freelancers who have a terrible, terrible time with that. I would love to work on a program like that. And I don't think it would have ever occurred to me that that was necessary if we hadn't had a couple conversations (laughs) about being a freelance editor and like who uses them. So I don't know. I kind of, this is like one of my visions for the future, guys. That would be so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd be down. <laughs> so, Steph, you're a writer, too. How does your mindset change between these really different disciplines? I mean, they're very, very different mindsets. What I think about it is, to be a good editor, you really need to get your ego out of it and focus on both what the writer is trying to do and how it might come across to a reader. This is even more important because I'm a freelancer. I'm not the acquiring editor for a press. And so I'm not even choosing something that I would personally like to publish. I mean, I've definitely edited works that I would publish in a heartbeat if I were an acquiring editor, but that's not the point necessarily. My entire goal is really getting a manuscript to be as good as it can be. And I define as good as it can be is that it expresses the author's vision clearly and is enjoyable for a reader to read. Um, When I was in grad school with Lucy, our professors talked a lot about editors as diplomats, and I think that's really, really true. You're always trying to mediate between authorial vision and reader experience. And you'll notice that in that equation, I'm not in there. Um, My ego doesn't matter. It's not about me. Which is freeing, and actually, that might sound really negative. It's not about you, but it's it's about helping other people and focusing on other people. How I would tell a certain story doesn't matter, because it's not my story. I really hate that old adage that editors are just bitter, failed writers, because I honestly do not understand how it's even possible to edit if you're just focused on your own work and your own vision and how you would tell that story when you're looking at somebody else's work. Yeah, that sounds like either the actual definition of who should not be an editor, (laughs) or just a not very great writer being really angry about getting any feedback at all. Which I mean, like, (laughs) I have been through phases where like, any feedback I get makes me angry. And then I just like deal with it. (laughs) Like, I let those feelings move on because It's just, it may just be a bad temperament thing that I have, but it's always so helpful and I'm really grateful to have it, just not the minute I see it. (laughs) So I'm like, yeah, no, it's really a terrible way to, terrible way to divide editors and writers too, because so many aren't at all a bitter failed writer, but a very successful, happy writer who is also a really good editor with an incredible skill (laughs) set. Yeah, I'd say even if you're not a professional and just looking over a friend's story, Really, the hardest part is what Steph was just saying. Like, it's it's trying to remember that it's not your story. And like you said, that is amazing and freeing. But I think it's definitely easier said than done, especially like if you're not trained in it or you're, you know, kind of just first doing it for the first time. Yeah, definitely. And um, Robin, I think, I mean, I don't know any writers who at least don't have to, you know, step away from the feedback for a little bit and have their no, that's wrong moment until they can sort of sit there and be like, you know what, actually, maybe that's right. And maybe I am just too close to this at the moment. So I think that's totally normal. 
nothing wrong with sort of <laughs> having that reaction. Um, you know, as long as you don't like take it out on other people. But oh, we yeah, feel what yeah. we feel, and I mean, when I'm editing, I'm always keeping in mind that somebody spent a lot of time and heart and energy on this thing, and so no matter how it's working right now, um, you know, there you really need to honor that effort. Um, and to that effect, I really think a good freelance editor is really on your side. Um, like you were saying earlier, they're on your team, and they're working to help you realize your vision for the book. And that doesn't always mean they'll agree with you. Um, I've certainly had times where I've had to suggest to a client that something really major wasn't working. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to say, oh, I think your story about a unicorn should actually be about the dragon side character because your story's about the unicorn. And if I'm sitting there thinking, huh, you know, right now the dragon's character arc is stronger than the unicorn's, you know, I'm not going to say make it about the dragon. I'm going to say, hey, right now the unicorn's character arc is being overshadowed. And we can talk about why and work to make the unicorn's arc stronger. Um, but ultimately, it's not up to me to tell you which story you should write. And so the other side of the question is that when I write, um, I'm a lot more in my own head. I'm focused on my own storytelling instinct and outlining methods. Um, I. Writing with editor brain is just oh. not a good idea. Maybe somebody in this world can do it, but I certainly can't. If I start worrying about the reader experience before I even have anything on the page, I just can't even tell myself the story. And if I can't tell the story to myself, how am I going to tell it to anyone else? But there is definitely a sense of ownership when I'm writing, of course, because it's my story. So to go back to the unicorn and the dragon, if I realize halfway that, you know, I'm kind of bored of this unicorn, but this dragon is so cool, maybe I'll want to change the story and make it about the dragon. Oh man, yeah, I relate so hard to the whole editor brain thing. I've, I've definitely gotten stuck in, I guess, maybe even like general industry brain, where I'll start to focus too much on has this been done already? Or is this the right genre? Oh, when I no. really need, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> and that's partially our our grad program where you know we were taught to focus on that because that's very important once you're on the publishing side. <laughs> but when you're exactly. writing, you just need to focus <laughs> on the story you're trying to tell. Like you can figure the industry stuff out later, but you need to actually just like figure out what story you actually want to tell. <laughs> so. Steph, do you think that you end up editing things that are similar to the types of genres and stories you read and write yourself, or is it kind of all over the map? Side note, industry brain is the worst. <laughs> it's so important. Just There's a gazillion stories out there. Trends are fleeting. You can't chase them. <sighs> but yeah, industry brain, worst ever. <laughs> <laughs> Actually answering the question, I'd say, you know, it's a little all over the map, just in that freelance means that you kind of go where your lance is needed to get back to the medieval <laughs> thing. But for the most part, just because ethically, it's best to edit things that you understand how to edit. And so I really try to stick to genres that I read in a lot that I have training in, because I understand the expectations for those genres and 
also the current trends and, you know, how they might have changed over the past decade or so. Right now, I'm writing fantasy with kind of a literary bent. And so obviously, I edit a lot of speculative work across sci-fi, fantasy, horror, um, general YA. Um, I always feel a little bit more comfortable working in speculative anything, whether it's YA or middle grade. But I do have general training in YA. And so I definitely feel like I would be able to edit a contemporary YA novel. But um, for the most part, for your listeners, when you're looking to hire a freelance editor, it is really important to look for somebody who is comfortable working in the genre of your novel, because they can really give you um, the best advice that will really help it work for readers in that genre. Every genre sort of comes with specific expectations that obviously you have to know what they are and you can play with them. But for example, it's never good to say, um, oh, I'm going to break the vampire story mold with um, scary vampires instead of sexy vampires. And it's like, you know... (laughs) You, that's that's not breaking any mold. That's just saying you hate Twilight, which has been around for fifteen years. I'm not even <laughs> yeah going there too long ago. Um, yeah. So having somebody who can say, you know, focus less on whether this is new in vampire fiction and really try to make it good vampire fiction is really what you're looking for there. Yeah, that's really good advice, actually. Mm -hmm. Like, not only... It ends up being kind of good writing advice and good picking an editor advice, because you're definitely speaking to people about how, like, it's it's the set of expectations. It's not actually some sort of, like, magical tropes you're having to subvert. It's more that you have to understand that all of those things are just how we describe the things that have been written and people's expectations of whether or not they'll be there again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that that's like a really good way to think about that. Um, and definitely the case that the more experienced with a genre an editor is, the more they can give you actually like relevant feedback mm-hmm. instead of them having to relearn everything th- at the same time that you are, which may be valuable for some people as well, but certainly like there's probably a really good fit out there. Last week, I lightly touched on difficult revisions, ones where the writer and the editor aren't on the same page about what the problem is or what to do about it. Um, I know you've had to deal with a few of those before, um, although hopefully not too many. Um, What was that like, though? What do you do when you aren't seeing eye to eye with a writer? I mean, yes, of course that's happened before. And um, some of it is just a matter of really figuring out, okay, what is the author actually trying to communicate at that moment in the story? And why do I think, why do I think that that's not what they're trying to communicate? It's a moment where there's sort of a misunderstanding or communication breakdown. Um, 
My clients really are the experts in their story, and it doesn't matter how long they've been writing or how much experience they have writing. They know what story they want to tell, and I have to treat them as the expert of their story. And so I can give them advice on how to change their story. Um, And really, the best thing that'll happen is sometimes they'll respond by changing the story in a way I haven't even thought of, which that's always fun and exciting because... You know, my goal is to see my writers take full ownership of their manuscripts. I think one incident that sort of stands out, just because it taught me a lot about my editorial style, was there was this sci-fi novel I was doing some dev work on, and there was a story beat that I really felt had to be moved later, and then it was just going to offer this emotional gut punch, and everyone was going to cry, and it was going to be amazing. But the writer really didn't want to move that plot point for reasons of how space travel worked in her novel. And, you know, it made me realize that part of my editorial style is very focused on character and emotion. And so there was a part of me that was just thinking, but you made up the spaceship. Can't you just budget? I mean, come on, that's that <laughs> punch, we need it. But you know, first of all, I cannot say that to the client, because it's sort of the editorial equivalent of what you were talking about earlier, um, when just wanting to get upset when you get feedback. That's the editorial <laughs> version of it. Um, it's just unreasonable, unprofessional, and honestly, not even correct, because Speculative stories need to keep their internal logic. Um, I mean, we all hate it when all of a sudden, you know, at the 11th hour, actually magic can do this and it works and there's been no sign that magic could do that. And the heroes win because of, you know, something that we, some rule of magic that was never established. Um, That's just never good for the story. Nobody likes when that happens. Um, So instead, I really just tried to come up with solutions that tried to balance my desire for that emotional gut punch. But also, you know, keeping in mind that, yes, this writer has decided how the spaceships work in this world and they need to stay that way. Otherwise, you know, the story isn't believable anymore. If you're working with an editor and you're worried about some of their feedback and saying, you know, gee, this really doesn't jive with how I see the story. Um, It doesn't feel right. Um, Just don't be afraid to ask a question or clarification um, or even just come up with your own idea to fix a problem. In general, when an editor is proposing a solution or propose that something moves It's not so much about that solution. Like I said, ego, my ego, your editor's ego should not be part of the equation. When I offer solutions, I'm just trying to get my client thinking about ways they can fix the problem. All I care about is that either, you know, the big picture issue, um, that the character arc isn't working, that the emotions aren't where it needs to be that the pacing is off. Like, that's what I care about. How you do it, you know? It's whatever feels right. 
Yeah, and that can be really hard to remember because, like, I know I get kind of caught up in the specifics of what's being asked for and miss the reasons, like, why it was being asked. Um, so, like, I love it when the reasons are really, really clear. And that is such a big part of training as an editor, right? To be able to communicate that. Definitely. I often and maybe sometimes to an excessive point, say, you know, these are just some ideas, come up with your own. I'm just noticing that, you know, this plot point doesn't make very much sense. Is there a better way that we can get this character to the grocery store in time to meet the werewolf? (laughs) (laughs) That is remarkably close to a plot point in the book I'm working on right now, so... (laughs) I'm psychic. (laughs) But yes, to that end, focus on the main issue that the editor is pointing out. The suggestion is really just a sign that something isn't working the way you want it to be working. And like I said, the editor probably cares less about how the thing is resolved and more that it has been resolved. Um, To go back to that dragon unicorn example I gave earlier... An editor might say, huh, well, the dragon's character arc is really nice and strong. Why don't you give the unicorn that character arc? Or maybe, you know, maybe the dragon doesn't really need to undergo that struggle that makes their character arc so compelling. And then we can focus on the unicorn. And you might sit back and say, huh, you know, neither of that makes any sense for how I see this unicorn and this dragon. Um, But that's not the point. The point is that the dragon is really distracting your readers from this unicorn. And so, you know, maybe we're to say, huh, you know, as I've written the story, I've really fallen in love with the dragon and their struggle. So maybe they need their own novel that I'm going to write. And, you know, once I get the dragon into their own story, I can focus on the unicorn in this book. And you know what? Your editor is not going to be mad they didn't think about it. You refocused the story on the unicorn, and that is what they were asking you to do, ultimately. So, great work. Yeah, cutting a whole character out is, like, such a tragically common solution. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like... It's like leaving something, it's like saving something good for later. Like, like you took the cherry off of your Sunday, and you're going to have that, like afterwards or whatever like I, I i can see a positive way to look at that <laughs> yeah i i find that it's really easy to just have that one side character that you hmm. fall in love with accidentally to the point where they're almost more exciting than the main character <laughs> i i feel like all three of us might specifically have this disease though <laughs> Well, I see it in books, too, a lot, where, like, you'll even end up having, like, uh, offshoot novels or whatever that end up being about a side character because they were just kind of more interesting than the main character or something. (laughs) And I know I have definitely had to do this. Sometimes side characters are just more interesting, and you kind of just have to, like, pluck them out of this story and give them their own story. (laughs) I think part of it is that in some ways there's less pressure to make your side character perfect. Oh, yeah. Whereas with your main character, you want the reader to fall in love with them. They're your protagonist, so, you know, they need to be just so. Whereas a side character, they're a side character. And so they almost happen more organically because you don't feel this pressure to get them just right. Yeah, side characters do have a certain freedom 
Um, they can be sometimes more likable or just sometimes more like unlikable. Unlike, yeah, or unlikable. Yeah, it's true. And then come all the way back around, you know. <laughs> they can also be like a little more one or two dimensional, mm-hmm. and that cartooniness sometimes makes them stand out mm-hmm. as compared to the really three dimensional, fully fleshed out, and therefore a little homogenized main character. And I know a lot of people fixate on the side characters in anything, and they will never pay attention to the main character because. Everything intended to make a main character relatable also makes them a little too generic for them. Mm. But a character who's been kind of heightened to cartooniness, they can, like, understand better. I know that that's a thing for some people. So I'm like, yeah, no, I I see it everywhere now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, that's one of the wonderful things about fan fiction is that you can kind of just grab those characters that did not quite get the same level of development or ability to shine or whatever, and then just, like, give them their whole unending story. (laughs) And I do really love your point, Steph, that editors are there to point out problems, but not necessarily offer solutions. Like, they can and probably will suggest things because that's helpful, but it's still your book. Like, it's it's more to get you thinking about what you could do than to actually, like, prescribe what you need to do. Yeah, exactly. Any editor who makes it feel like it's not your book is not doing their job. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like pretty good advice, too. Well, I think it's time to get back to revising. So, Steph, thank you so much for joining us. And you are welcome back at any time if you want to talk about your own projects or your experiences on, like, the author side of things or really anything else. Um, Any website or anything you'd like to plug? Well, thanks, guys. It's been such a pleasure to be here. It's been so much fun to chat. My freelance site is scrollfreelance.com. I think that'll probably be linked. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't need to spell that out. Okay, good. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so if you want to learn more about me or hire me or send me questions, that's the place to do it. I've been skimping on the social media these days, mm-hmm. which is not a great business decision for a freelancer, <laughs> but is a great mental health decision. I was going to say that anything that's good for your mental health is a good business decision. <laughs> it's right so now. true, though. And I will make sure that your website is in the show notes, so... Everybody can go click down below or above or I don't know. I don't know how you listen to podcasts, but it'll be somewhere. Awesome. This has been so fun. Yeah, it's been really, really delightful to talk to you about all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And thank you, everybody, for joining us in the right place, which is wherever you happen to be. At the right time, which is whatever time you've got. Happy writing! (laughs) 